The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It is 3.06 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News, a conversation I've been looking forward to having since we booked it. Graham Thompson, political affairs columnist, the Edmonton Journal. Uh, many people confused uh, Graham, and let's get it out of the way right away. <laughs> Including me. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, sort of, a, you know, you're you're not retiring at all. No, I'm retiring from the Journal. I've taken a buyout. I was not forced out. Let's get that very clear. <laughs> I took a voluntary buyout, and... Um, take a bit of time off, but I plan on uh, keeping covering uh, politics. I have, uh, I'll mention it here, CBC. I do a lot of work on CBC um, panels, um, and also uh, I do freelance work uh, for various magazines and publications online and otherwise, and I'll be doing more of that and covering politics. So even though I'm leaving the journal, I'm not leaving political coverage. Right, so it must feel nice, though, the, the outpouring. Yeah, I was... I was. People I, are worried they're going to lose you. You know, I really appreciate that. Like, I'm very humbled. I mean that sincerely. I'm glad you have me on today. It, it's great to talk about this. Um, Twitter went crazy when people found out last Friday. <laughs> it was nice to see Twitter being nice. Uh, yes, it is. But, you know, the, for, for by and large, there was a few people there, which is fair enough, freedom of speech and all that. But people being very nice to me and uh, saying, you know, good luck in your retirement and we'll miss you, which is really nice to hear because normally when I do (laughs) columns, I don't tend to hear from people who actually like the columns. Anger is a great (laughs) motivating factor. Well, that makes it a good column, doesn't it? Well, there we go. Um, Thank you for saying that. But, you know, people get angry and they'll write on Twitter and anger is a great motivator, both in terms of people responding to columns and people voting. People tend to vote when they're angry (laughs) or or they have hope. But normally it's anger. Um, But, no, it's great to have people say that to me. Uh, They'll miss my column, which is nice uh, to hear. But um, I'm hoping then to have other venues and platforms, yes. as they say. Well, it's funny, uh, you know, I do want to talk about your career, but since we're just at your column at this moment in time, and that's, you know, the middle of your career, we'll say. It's certainly not the beginning <laughs> or the end. Um, you, it is a, you and I both. Yeah, absolutely. It is a funny thing, though. People, I find, oftentimes do want to be spoon-fed their own opinion back to them again. Yeah. And I, I often recommend to people, and, and listeners in two, who will say, have you read this or have you seen this uh, column or whatever, and I'll go read it. Uh, I recommend to listeners that you read a columnist who you don't agree with. Yeah, and that's the greatest. People have actually said to me, look, I don't like your, your opinion and I read you all the time. They mean it as an insult, but it's the greatest compliment yeah, for someone absolutely. to say, I do not agree with you, uh, you really irritate me, and I read you every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. <laughs> exactly. I'm thinking, my daughters don't know I run every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. <laughs> yeah. This is the best, and I mean that sincerely. And yes, it's important to read people you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's people, perspective, right? Yeah, and also it's an opinion column. Mm-hmm. And people, um, God bless them, who read the columns, they don't like me because they don't agree with my, with my opinion, but people tend to read a column if they like it it's like oh this is factual and correct they don't like it oh this is completely unfair and incorrect and he's showing a bias yes i am biased i'm an opinion column writer um you got people that you know, of course at the sun you got rick bell you got lauren gunter you've got um, paula simons mm-hmm. at the journal you know uh, she is a she's an award-winning wins an award basically yearly she's an amazingly good columnist and she gets attacked by people on Twitter that don't like her opinion, but she is an opinion columnist. The editorials are opinion. It's not signed by anybody. So, yes, the, the, the trick is to people to understand that and to sometimes seek out an opinion. You mm-hmm. know, and I try and do it all the time to read people. I don't, and people like Andrew Coyne, great columnist, you know, um, and I read him and I go, oh, 
that makes a lot of sense now. I didn't really understand that. Yeah, see, I actually use your column and others, Paula, you mentioned, and, and some of the others as my sort of uh, Coles notes or cheat notes, if you will, uh, because sometimes I, I will read a story and I know that that's probably one of the items we're going to be talking about this afternoon, but for whatever reason, and it's not all the time, thankfully, I'm not sure you know what my opinion is on this and so when somebody voices an opinion i at least know that i either agree or don't agree with that opinion so i don't take their opinion but i go okay so that's where you're coming from on this and then i try and find somebody who has the opposite opinion and i find oftentimes if you take things to the extreme both pro and negative you can see it more clearly in the end now fair enough it puts it in context and i try and do that you know whether i have an opinion or not on on issues sometimes i'm forcing an opinion on myself (laughs) very often i'll go oh i see both sides of this opinion (laughs) yes absolutely and i tricked I learned in the very first days of writing on a uh, column, it's really it's difficult. I began this like 18 years ago from being a reporter. And the, dif- the difference is, of course... There's quite a opinion. leap from reporter to columnist. Yeah. Reporters, they're the ones that go out there and try and be their best to be unbiased. And they'll go cover a news conference with the premier, then get the official opposition leader, hear the points of view, put it in some context, but you decide in terms of uh, where mm-hmm. you're going to go with this. It was difficult moving from that into being uh, an opinion writer. And very often, the first few months I was doing on the one hand this, on the other hand that. <laughs> and I was told by some people, stop doing that, because all you're doing is reporting. No, you, they have to either love or hate you. They can't be indifferent. That well, if you're trying to appease everybody, yeah. you're falling in the middle. And also, all you're doing is doing what the reporter does, and that's giving both sides, and then let you decide. And I, I learned uh, there's times I come down on an opinion I don't really agree with myself, <laughs> in the sense that I'm going way too far here to make a point, but otherwise, you don't make a point, and it's not clear. And you're right. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you do an opinion, people hate it, and that seems to happen more often now <laughs> because of social media. And that's, yes. that's fine. People, it's an immediate thing. And, and that's changing not just journalism. It's changing politics. It's changing how politicians react to things. Yes. I wrote a, a, a feature uh, last year, uh, Alberta Views magazine, on the idea, like, why do taxpayers pay for political staff on the premier's office or the government at least and also the opposition the opposition actually has people who are paid by the taxpayers who have very strong opinions who actually helped craft a very biased opinion for the opposition and for the government so why are we having people do that is because this is evolving with social media when a politician is in trouble or being attacked um, this happens immediately in the old days there's some time to think about it. Yes. Know, and let's get a response in a day or two. We'll get back to you. But now you have to put that fire out quickly on social media. If, if it's a brush fire, if it's a wildfire, get it done now. And oftentimes they fan it by accident. <laughs> well, and sometimes they set it themselves. Right, let's just on, dump on gasoline on media. this. Right. <laughs> they do it themselves. Yeah. Uh, so they get themselves in trouble faster and need more help getting out of it faster because these things take on a life of their See, own. See, that's interesting because, and of course, I know you've covered other politics than Alberta over the course of your career, but this has been a very interesting half dozen years or so in Alberta politics because, yeah. and at the same time, I was going to say because for 43 years, we pretty uh, we were fairly confident what the outcome was going to be. And so you didn't really have that those two major forces fighting with each other, whether it be conservative versus liberal or NDP versus UCP or whatever. You didn't have those big forces fighting each other. Now you do. Absolutely. And it's at a time where social media has become so important and immediate that the, I'm not sure that these parties, frankly, know how to use social media or know how to fight with each other properly. Boy, 
You should do a column. <laughs> was no, that one of your columns? Well, no, I've, I've talked about this actually on air. I've written a, a bit about this, and actually I was on uh, Global and mentioned this very point oh. about they're still learning how to actually deal with each other, and you're right. For many, many years, it was one-party politics in this province. Well, they were their own opposition. Yeah, oh, yeah, and you had, at times, you know, when Lougheed was premier, you had, like, about 70, you know, five uh, PCs and two opposition, roughly, you know, very small. And even over the years, uh, Klein was very nice. Ralph Klein was very nice to the opposition, meaning the NDP, that is, because they weren't a threat. And now you have, you're right, you have these two forces now that are both vying for for votes. And, you know, the NDP is behind the UCP in terms of public support, according to the public opinion polls, but they're the government. Then you have the UCP, the official opposition, is way ahead in the polls, and they're hoping to become government. You have these two huge forces going at each other. We haven't really seen this. Other provinces get used to the idea that governments change. Of course. Liberals win one year, and then next time it's the NDP (laughs) or whatever, the the PCs. Uh, You look at Ontario, for example, liberals went and PCs. And the thing is, you know, People survive. Provinces yeah. keep moving on. In 2015, when the NDP won, there was this 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 people. Well, the sky was falling. Exactly. You had the Alberta Can't Wait group popped up as a public. Uh, a Do you know? I remember the day after that election, Jay Lynn came on and I came on the air here, and I said, "Look outside. The sun came out this morning. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be okay." You no, know, and people got really upset. In fact, people were writing to me saying, "You know, Mr. Thompson, you should do a, a column." as to how this vote in 2015 was illegitimate because the NDP <laughs> won a majority of seats, but the minority of the, well, not minority, but 40% of the votes. Right. 40% majority government. How can that work? And you're saying, well, look at the past elections. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stephen Harper won a majority government in 2011 with 39.5% of the vote. That's right. Yeah. That's our system of, yeah. of, of elections. And you can't change the, the system if you don't like the outcome, right? Well, that's just it. And people right. tend to want that. Anyway, so, yes, yeah, so things changed dramatically in 2015. Now we're seeing of course, Jason Kenney, what he's done on the conservative front, which is really impressive, um, yeah. in two years. You know, he's come from being an outsider to, to um, running for the PC leadership. It's the, the greatest end run of all oh. times. Yeah, it's an amazing, yes. He, it, he rebirthed a, the, a party, basically. I mean, he, he well, didn't he birth formed, a party. He formed, uh, he formed right. a brand new party because... He found a way, though, to, to stop splitting those votes, to yeah. sort of just say, okay, so everybody likes the word conservative and everybody hates uh, NDP. And he, uh, yeah, I think it was brilliant. I think the one thing he's struggling with now and talking about social media is the fact that everybody has the same voice on social media. So you have a candidate, for example, mm-hmm. who wants to be a candidate to be, to run as a UCP, uh, you know, uh, MLA. He's not even an MLA or she's not even an MLA. Says something stupid, and now it's like, oh, there you go. The, because that's that's the message, right? The UCP are intolerant to uh, minority groups or Muslims or gays or whoever they're intolerant to, and the NDP can't balance a checkbook. Those are the two... Well, I don't, yeah, the, the narratives. Those are the two narratives. Right? Yeah, and yeah, the idea that uh, if the NDP wins, it's the end of the world. If the UCPN you know, wins, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, and this is, of course, and you've got social media drives this, this idea of tribalism. Um, yeah. Right? So, you know, or my, like the teams, like sports teams, you know, you're, you're an Eskimo supporter or you're, yep. you know, whatever, um, Stan Peters, whatever. Um, people don't always think it through, it becomes very emotional. And we saw that after 2015, people get really upset. And of course, what happened with the NDP is um, the price of oil goes over a cliff, we hit the recession. Yeah. And Jason Kenney, of course, uh, came along, he's a very skillful politician, united the, both both parties. Well, and people say, you said it couldn't be done. I just said you couldn't merge them legally. That's all I was saying back then. You cannot merge, they kept saying, well, merge them, you can't merge them. And was that all. a fact or an opinion? Uh, that was actually a fact. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, so they couldn't merge them, but they, 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 what they did was they put the two parties aside, formed a brand new exactly. party, and then had the members That's why join. I say it's the greatest end run of all time. Well, yeah. It, it was, yeah. It's, it's amazingly, it's amazing. There'll be a book written about this, and I'm thinking of maybe perhaps doing a book on Ooh. the last few years in Alberta politics leading up to the next election. Mm, I'm starting to see where your career might take you. We have to do a, a quick break here, and when we come back, more with Graham Thompson. Of uh, crazy career paths, so uh, I'm sitting down with uh, Graham Thompson, political affairs columnist, the Edmonton Journal. You started in uh, CBC Radio or television? Uh, radio. Uh, so you started in radio, moved up to. I shouldn't say up. Yeah, moved I'm, over to television. Be, be careful, radio. <laughs> yeah. The thing about radio, radio is great because it hasn't really changed in a sense. A lot of things are affecting, you know, uh, print and uh, newspapers, but mm-hmm. radio people can still listen to it in the car and. Yeah. Radio is good. Uh, technology, uh, there was a gap in there uh, where technology was about to let us down because AM, for example, people don't have you know AM radios anymore yeah. uh, in their cars, but then apps started catching up, and so now you can listen to AM yeah. radio anywhere in the world, and it's a better signal oftentimes. So uh, Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I went from radio to, to television, CBC, traveled the country, and, and I thought, actually thought to come to Alberta. I was actually in Ontario, and I said, this is... I worked here as an intern for a while. I thought it's a great province, great city. It's a cliche, but it is. You know, to, to raise a family. And uh, the but what would that have been that you wanted to come to Alberta? It was '84 in the early '80s. Um, I because I'd been out here and, and actually the, you know, the bust and boom, and it was actually there was a bust went all well, the boom went to the bust, of course, uh, in the early '80s. But um, I really wanted to come out here because there's so much stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Alberta is just news. It's, Generates. It was just getting unpacked back then. Well, <laughs> to quote uh, Mordecai Richler, right about yeah. Edmonton, it's a great city once it gets on. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was. It was amazing, and I thought this is a great news place. And I've had chances to leave over the years, and and I stayed, uh, in part because I'm raising two two daughters, and it's a great place to to raise children, but also because the news here is just so spectacular. You know, even though um, the PCs won every election for 40-some-odd years, you had Ralph Klein. Would, would he count among your most difficult interviews? Um, he got to a point he just did not like me at all. I was quite <laughs> critical of him over, cause over the years. interesting. You know, um, people who did not... I was covering Getty, and they didn't like me. And then when Klein became premier and began attacking Getty, in a sense, so, you know, obliquely by saying, you know, they spent too much money back in the day, and um, I was saying, that's really unfair to, to Getty. And all of a sudden, Getty and the, the crew really started to like me <laughs> and began calling me and talking about my columns, how much they enjoyed my columns, because I was actually being critical of Klein. But Klein got to the point where um, he just said at a, his final year, 2006, Premier's Conference in St. John's, he said publicly, I'll never talk to you again. Wow. Because I'd done some columns on him and equal equalization, where he said, maybe it's time for Alberta to opt out of equalization. And I said, well, that's like opting out of the armed forces. It's a federal program paid by federal tax dollars. You can't opt out. That is one of those hot button... I know. It's I a know. great thing to say as a premier, because most, a lot, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of Albertans would say, yeah, why are we sending money to yeah. Quebec? But yeah. it's a federal... It's federal every taxes. person pays the same federal tax. Exactly. So the difference is, so which, which province people are making more money, right. and there's more money going to Ottawa, and Ottawa decides we'll start spending money in these places. We'll spend it on the armed forces, we'll spend it on equalization, spent on yep. on whatever and uh client said listen maybe it's time to opt out and i knew it was he's playing he's pandering to the crowd but i said you know you can't say that honestly so either you don't understand it 
or you're playing a cynical game. And I was a bit more blunt than that. And uh, the Premier's conference, he said, I'll never talk to you again. And he never did talk to me one-on-one. He'll answer my questions in the scrum, but at the end of his career, as he was retiring, I didn't get a one-on-one sit-down with him. Do you know, I often, uh, before we run out of time, when we have a guest on who's as interesting as you are, and I, I would say that even if you weren't sitting right across from me, <laughs> I like to ask this question. What was your best and worst day on the job, we'll say, just as a columnist at uh, the Journal? Oh, um... Well, I got to say, okay, uh, covering politics, people will see, well, you're very biased, but in 2015, when the NDP won that election, like that to me was, you know, maybe things will be much different next election, but that was really interesting for me. I thought, holy cow, Mm -hmm. that was amazing what happened that night for all kinds of reasons. Things have changed. Very interesting. What's going to happen next? That was... uh, probably uh, a really high point in terms of just covering politics. Uh, a low point, um, uh, well, at a personal level, I was uh, in Afghanistan and, um, you know, just watching just how tough things were for our soldiers and not being able to write about it, honestly, because it was an issue of operational security. And also, I just found, generally speaking, the military... The higher-ups, you know, the the the, uh, the, the, the privates, the corporals, the sergeants, the guys doing actual work are wonderful. They're really brave, wonderful people. But you have the politicians and the deputy ministers and the higher brass who are running things and weren't letting us actually report the truth. Now, to me, it's partly because of operational security. You can't give the enemy uh, ideas of what's actually happening. At the same time, though, that meant we weren't actually telling the public just how tough things were for Which our is, soldiers. Which is, of course, there. at the core of your job. Yeah, it's to tell the truth. And, what's, yep. and, and it was very difficult there because you know, we were under censorship to a certain degree and we couldn't tell the whole truth. And I think that, to me, unfortunately, didn't give the public a real knowledge of just how tough it was. And people are coming back, you know, who were... Yes, there was people killed, of course, uh, but physically injured and mentally um, came back uh, very damaged. And people still don't really understand how bad it was. And I found that really frustrating um, as a journalist covering a really major event. Uh, We have less than 30 seconds. In fact, I'm stealing time. Not specific to post media. The media in general. How, how would you sum up the condition? Are we on life support? Is is the media in Canada on life support? Yeah, I, I know. I don't know. I wish I knew the answer to that. The problem we're having is that people appreciate, but don't really know they appreciate this, but they read a lot of journalism online. Like they're reading professional journalism, and they're not paying for it. That's the problem. Um, they read it and go, okay, that's interesting, but when they're asked to pay a nickel for it, and I understand, I'm the same way. Oh, no, I'm not going to pay a nickel for it. I'm going to go somewhere else and get it for free. Um, and I try and I try and support, of course, a journal and other people like that. But yes, the problem right now is that people do read professional journalism. They watch things online, but they don't pay for it. And that's, that's the problem. If we could find some way of monetizing that, we'd be fine. Uh, so... Right now, we're seeing newsrooms shrink all over the place, and it's going to be a problem for democracy. We're not covering things as much as we used to. People tend to run from place to place, cover um, news conference without actually digging into things, mm-hmm. and that's bad for everybody. If you're a critic of the, of the government, why are we doing more? It's because we haven't got time to do more. If you're a critic of the UCP, why aren't you digging into that more? We haven't got time to dig into these things. We used to, but nobody does.
Interesting. I'm way over time. Graham, thank you so much for your time. I apologize to the newsroom, but I wanted to get that answer for sure. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.